I think Jeff's working out some some demons from his past Ooh. here. I mean, you get back to us when you figure out yeah. Well, yeah, what, it, what it was. Shut up, Dan. Jeff, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you shut up. You shut up, sir. How dare you? <laughs> Gentlemen, Mr. Dan Coke, how hey, Dan. are you? Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Likewise. Let me get my little session going here. Yeah. Is that your mission statement back there on the uh, plaque on the uh, beautiful <laughs> King? What does throne? it say? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it looks what like a vinyl. Tell- is that a vinyl what? album? A oh, record? Oh, oh, is it? On the white chair I behind it was a you. Plaque. It's, it's like just a. Uh, oh, it's just a record. Yeah, it's like oh, a. Okay. It's the. Uh, Wait, what's a record? That's like a whole foot wide. Come on. You should be old enough, Jeff. Oh, I'm beyond. I was tortured <clears throat> with. Uh, who was it? Not Lionel Richie. When I was growing up, my parents would play Neil Diamond. Oh, my gosh. Neil Diamond. On the record player. There we com- go. We're coming to America <clears throat> every Saturday morning. I to- <laughs> oh, forget that. Jeff, I don't think we've talked since we did the no. uh, voter interview. Right, and I got cut. So, <laughs> well, you did. I know I that know. wasn't your fault, though. Uh, I just I got too. I interviewed too many people. Yeah. So for the listeners, I, that was depolarized, correct? Oh, geez, I'm not recording yet. Here we go. No, you're not. That's a, I'm recording you, but I'll just. Well, this will be. This in. will sound much better. Oh yeah, and this will sound much better. Four. Okay, <laughs> I'm rolling. Um, I'll start that again. Okay. <clears throat> Jeff, it's been a while since uh, we've talked. Last time we, we talked was the interview for Depolarized right, for the that's right. voters. And you, and you cut me. I got, I got yeah. cut from the roster. Was that, I now, mostly, was that fault? Just I mostly cut you. <laughs> no, it was not your fault. I interviewed too many people. I, uh, I, did a, I did a cut of those episodes with everybody, and every, like a few people that I listened to, that I sent right. it to, were like, dude, there's too many people to keep track of. <laughs> So I had to, I had to like keep as many women as I could, for instance, cause I had, I didn't have very many women and, and, uh, I brought you in a couple times. I just introduced you. Oh yeah. In, yeah. I don't know if you listen, but I, you, you made it into a couple episodes like, and here's Jeff who we didn't hear from, but this is who he is. Yeah, and I heard he you. had okay. this thing to say. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't get totally cut. Okay. I'll have I had to a couple friends get, a <laughs> couple friends got fully cut. They did, they did a whole interview and they didn't show up once. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't get to have the uh, the full. Hey, I'm Jeff from Bros Bibles okay. and Beer. The full plug. I actually, I did know, a, I appreciated all of the questions that you had, though. It was oh, thanks, just, Dan. Just listening and and thinking about why the question is being asked. I mean, I had a good idea, mm-hmm. and then I did listen to a little bit of that that podcast because it was you had several. Um, I mean, three or four or five uh, podcasts where you put all that together. And yeah. I listened to a little bit of it. Zach told me that I was in there somewhere, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm going to have to get back to this. But <laughs> it, was, That's it fine. was fun. It was fun. Uh, we want to hear ourselves talk. 
and to answer questions. So that was fun. Why do you think I do podcasting, man? <laughs> it's my turn. Yeah, you can't get enough podcasting in. You got Yeah, I guess seems not. like it. Yeah, it seems like it. So depolarize was first. Yeah. And after that was reconstruct. Yeah, reconstruct is is uh actually going to come back. We're just going to kind of release them slowly. Actually, the first one of the new season came out today, correct? Oh, did it? Well, yeah, I saw it. I listened to it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, let me... <laughs> let's, let's do that one over. Let's too. check that. No, that's this is funny. Because uh, this is all John's work. So he, he does that show. He does the legwork for it. And uh, I kind of just show up. And so, yeah, we had talked about how he was going to put it out. Hey, he did. Look at that. Yeah, we got a new episode out today. So good for you guys. Great. That is great. Yeah, we, we recorded that one uh, a few months ago. So um, we're just going to rather than try and build up a whole second season, which would be our preference because his life is so slammed. We're just going to release them as they come. That's cool. Yeah, that's kind of in my head. I have we plan things out better and we have a schedule where we, we don't do seasons, but it'd be nice if it was like once a week. But yeah. really, it's just when we record it, great. And then when I can edit it and get it out, great. But that kind of happens yeah, as Zach's, it happens. Zach's our John. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> it's like that. if you're not <laughs> trying to make like, uh, especially if you're not trying to make a career out of it, it really doesn't matter, right? Like, right. People people will listen when they listen. They'll share it if it's good. So, right. Who cares? Yeah, I'm just waiting for Zach to tell me. Okay, you can quit your job now. We're it's been sufficiently monetized that all three of you could quit your day jobs. <laughs> yeah, even Bad Christian can't say that. So no, they still do Emory and all that other yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's I true. can't imagine their tax. Whoever does their taxes, that's got to be. There's probably so many income streams. Yeah, I should ask Carter about that next time I see him. Yeah. I don't have that problem. I don't really make any money from the podcasting. <laughs> it's much simpler. I love that you're bit. doing it though, and and. Depolarize was initially political, and it seems Politics like it's t- and, taking yeah. a shift for where you're at more, which is more theology, correct? Yeah, I, I just have kind of figured out what my lane is, and my lane is uh, faith, faith stuff. I'm better at it. I'm more interested in it. Um, I, there's people doing really great work on politics, and a lot of them work for like the New York Times or NPR or whatever, and, and they're better at it than I am. So Depolarized does still have another half season to go. We're going to finish it out. And then, you know, we might come back. I really like working with Ellen, my co-host. She's so fun. So we might bring it back. But I'm mostly going to be focusing on you have permission and then reconstruct when when John's available. So Depolarized, mostly political, correct? Yeah. And then yeah, and, re- and psychology. Yeah. Okay. And, and psychology. And then reconstruct that theology. was... Theology. Straight up theology. Okay. And yeah. now... You have permission is also most it's it's theology, but it's it's also Christian living. It's also church. It's also it's kind of like the type of stuff that gets people hung up in their in their faith. So uh, and so it is a lot of theology, but it's not only okay. theology. So you're really doing. Come on, Dan. You're really doing a little rebranding here. Right? Well, it's just different. Like if if John, you know, could record as often as I wanted to, I might just do reconstruct okay. because. But I, he can't, and that's just his his life, and he has a 
full-time job. He runs a company with his wife and, and he's much busier than I am. And, and so that's fine. I'm going to do my own thing. Plus, you know, us, uh, us verbal process, uh, verbal processing only children. We like to run the show if we're honest with ourselves. Right. So, yeah, I do have some news to tell you, Scott and Zach. I have to leave because I need to talk 100% of the time. <laughs> I do interview people, Jeff. Okay. That's it's right. not, I don't talk the whole time, yeah. uh, but I, you know, I don't mind having a little bit of control over the show. I like that part. Have you ever gotten two people on the show where you're mediating the conversation? You know, I've thought about that, like unbelievable that that right. show that uh, they put out in England that Justin Brierly does. You know, I, I don't, I'm less interested in debate. Uh, so if I did that, it would be to have people on who probably agree, but have different angles or something like that. So I, I am doing that. I'm, I'm uh, recording an interview next week with two guys down in San Diego who work together and, uh, but have kind of different areas of specialty. So that can be interesting, but I think there's other people doing the debate thing. I mean, Unbelievable has like, I don't know, a thousand episodes or something of e- debates on any issue you can possibly right. think of. And he's doing it well. Yeah. And he, he's a really good moderator. He gets really good mm-hmm. experts. So I don't really need to do that. And that's not so much what I'm interested in. Uh, I, I like to, I guess I'm a little bit more of a preacher than that. I like, I have a bit of an agenda on a particular topic. I don't need to convince you of it. That's not like the only way that it will be a success, but I do mm-hmm. want to get something across yeah. that you could then think about and Pre- consider preach it, for brother. yourself. Preach it. Yeah. Yeah. So the intro to your show kind of outlines that, how, how you you are doing that and you are seeking understanding, not necessarily converting to wherever, whatever your right. bent is. It's more of an understanding thing. Well, it's more of an, it's options really is yeah. the main thing. Like, like the, the thing that makes me the most angry maybe in the world and it, maybe it shouldn't be, but for me personally is like when I hear that somebody told some young Christian kid that they had to believe X or else they couldn't be a Christian when X is something that Christians disagree about. Yeah. That, not not according that. to Scott. <laughs> right, Scott? I disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and continue on. So it's so it's kind of about like, hey, if you've ever heard that you it's either penal substitutionary atonement or nothing or the gospel's false, that's false. Right. Here are the other atonement theories. Penal substitutionary atonement is 500 years old. The church's been around for 2000 years, you know? Like that kind of thing. Giving people freedom, sort of like surgically getting in and removing cataracts from their lenses, like removing roadblocks. Uh, is kind of what I'm, what I'm most into, but so it's not about, you don't have to agree with me. People have all kinds of beliefs. Like people who are much better than me disagree with me on most things that I believe. So it's more about like letting people know they have choices and that there are God loving, smart people on both sides or all five sides or whatever of all these questions. Right. Yeah. Uh, back to you mentioning if you've been told if you don't believe X, you you can't be a Christian. Yeah, I would say a, a lot of times it's prop. I mean, it's on the nose there sometimes, but a lot of times it's more subversive. For me, it's it's. Uh, I don't remember ever being told you can't be a Christian if you were a liberal Democrat, mm. but I remember believing that. Right. At, until well into my adult years, and like 
believe in that strongly. And so when it, when the light bulb went off and I met and talked to a lot of different people that are, you know, widely across the political and theological spectrum, it, it was mind blowing to me and it, and it wasn't anything my parents ever directly told me. And so you're super helpful with all that too. I mean, it, you're, you're covering that and the direct, you can't be a Christian if X. Right. Well, that's the, so we might think that the, we might think that the, you can't believe this and be a, a Christian. That's like the really explicit version, which is probably mostly not what people get. Right. They get an implicit version. And this is like, I think this is just like a general truth of family psychology. You know, you learn this in any psych class that like every family grows up with unspoken rules. They are, they are expressed, but they are not usually explicitly expressed. Um, for instance, you know, some, someone might grow up in a family where it's like, you don't disagree with each other out loud. You don't do that. Cause when you do that, it gets awkward. People get defensive. Everybody goes silent. And then you learn as a five-year-old, as an eight-year-old mm-hmm. not to do that. You know, in my family, that was obviously okay. <laughs> it was very okay to disagree publicly with people. And my mom told me when I was six that I would be a lawyer when I grew up because of how often I did that with her and my dad. But so, but, but my family would be like, you never don't invite someone to, over for dinner. You know, that's a rule that we had. Uh, and sometimes that gets in the way of community. Sometimes you need a smaller group. But in my family, the unwritten rule was the door's always open. Everybody's always invited. So everybody has, and, and people don't even know that they're operating with these rules. So yeah, like it's great when it's said explicitly and then you can go and someone might, that actually might wake someone up to go, wait, that sounds insane. Surely there are democratic Christians, right? but usually it's not said explicitly. And then you takes untangling of the thread to kind of go, oh, this is like an implicit belief that I was given. And this really seems false. Yeah. So let me, let me go back a little bit. Do you still answer to the nickname Beardy? Is that a <laughs> no, thing? I don't. I, I don't answer to that. I looked you up today. Who are you, who are you talking to there, Zach? Is this on Wikipedia or something? Yeah, it is. I just <laughs> oh I my realized gosh. today you have a Wikipedia page. That's Yeah, I you do. You made it, Dan. I think our drummer from Sherwood made it. I'm not <laughs> sure about that. I know that he has updated it. I don't know if he's the one who created it. Uh, and he didn't ask me. He doesn't ask me to do that. He just did it. Um, yeah, I was called Beardy when, in my early Sherwood touring days. It was like my MySpace username <laughs> as well for a while. Like I was MySpace.com slash Beardy. It became was a my, part of your identity. Uh, I, that one kind of, I mean, I, I, I probably won't ever shave my beard, but not because of the nickname. Right. It's because I have a double chin. That's the real reason. What is this? What are we looking at here? It's, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been watching a show called the, it's a good family. It's a good, wholesome family show called the ranch. Um, it's on, it's on Netflix. Of course you have Jeff. And, yeah. And you, you is that look, what Kevin Costner? You, no, but he looks just like one of the sons. Danny. I don't even know what this is. That name is that not his name? Have you ever heard of the ranch? Yeah. It's the Ashton Kutcher yeah, yeah. show. It's for like, okay. it's like red meat for a red state America, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's that show. Thank you for clarifying. I always wonder what oh, the I show get it was now. about. That's why Dan's like you would. It's so like the Roseanne. Yep. It's like Roseanne yep. reboot. It's yep. which is fine. I mean, I think there's something probably great about that. But you look a lot of uh, like, entertainment. One of, the, I do. one of the actors looks just like you. Anyway, is it the Danny guy from that '70s show? 
Uh, yes. Because if he looks like me now, then that means he's he's not looking as good as he used to look. Oh yeah, yeah, we do look kind of alike. A little bit. He's got curlier hair. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Anyway. That's a good pod, Jeff. Bad, yeah. That's really bad good. Tangent. This is really Sorry. good radio here. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, I hope they keep going on this. You know topic. what? We're gonna we're gonna edit that out. <laughs> oh man! All right. All right. So back to where were we? I think you were starting. To, were you starting to say something, Dan? Beardy. No. Beardy. No. All right. Well, I did appreciate. So I binged the first four episodes of you have permission. Oh, cool. When I saw it and your friend, I think it's a personal friend. It sounded like you guys were in person together recording and you were talking about creationism. I, Oh, my friend, Amy. Amy, Yeah. yeah. Or, or the, wait, was it the first Amy or was it Adrian, the expert guy? It was where you, you had an expert interview and I think you talked to her first and then you had the expert. She listened to it and then she reacted to the expert. Yeah. And the expert yeah. was from BioLogos. Is that correct? Uh, no, he, he does counterbalance.org, which uh, is sort of his own. Um, but he is, yeah, super involved in that world. That's Adrian. They're actually both friends of mine. Okay. Yeah. I I just love that in a nutshell is your, it seems to be your heart because the way you listen to her, she's a young earth creationist, correct? Or that's kind of well, what she she's, means. She's not really. That's what she's she was raised as. Yeah, and no, she she's not a young earther. I think that what she would say is that she has a lot of questions about Darwinism. Yeah, uh, that are not resolved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the I think what I'm trying to compliment you on is giving her a she has a voice. You're not where she's at, but it doesn't. It's like it doesn't right. phase you. It's not like you need to correct her. She tells her story, mm. and then you set her up to be open and honest to, to hear this other expert and react to it and maybe learn something. Um, I, I just thought that was really sweet. And that seems like it's, uh, that's you in a nutshell. You're this guy that's like a bridge builder. Is that fair to say? I think that's true. It, I mean, I appreciate the compliment. I'm just like, like what's a version of that where someone does need to convert her right away? Like that's not how people work. Right. Right. Well, Ideally, no, but on social media, that's kind of another story. (laughs) Yeah, I'm off social media because of that. Um, But, I mean, I appreciate that. I like having those characters. Uh, Some of the episodes have them. Some of the episodes don't. It's it's like quite a bit more work. Um, It's just like a longer process. I have to send them the thing, and then they listen, and then we... So it's like three interviews instead of one. But uh, I like doing that. Um, These characters, these kind of everyman characters who are open to thinking about something. They're not experts because if they're experts, then it's a debate show. Right. Right. So they're open, but they're not totally rigid, but they also don't need to change their mind. And then like, just, I like to see what happens. I mean, it's, it's like organic discovery process, right? Like I didn't know what Amy would be convinced by or not convinced by in what Adrian said. And so that's part of the fun for me too, is like how convincing is some of this stuff? You know, so I like doing that. Yeah, well, you're good at it, and I appreciate it. It's needed more, more and more in the world. Thanks, man. More Dan Cokes. You should do a science episode on how we can get more Dan Cokes. <laughs> a cloning episode? Yeah, China's doing it, so. <laughs> oh, they're cloning Dan Cokes? Oh, they have the technology. I doubt that. There is, yeah, I have been there a few times. It's possible somebody could have grabbed a 
piece of hair or something. Yeah. A little bit of beard he <laughs> fell off. Well, yeah, beard fell into my, uh, it's not ramen, that's Japanese food. My dumplings. <laughs> Next on Dumplings Eat a lot and of, <laughs> I ate a lot of dumplings. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so give me, you are giving people permission currently. What are the big ones for you that you had to give yourself permission, whether politically or theological, spiritual, just ones mm-hmm. that jump out to you? And maybe any catalyst yeah. that, that helped that along. Yeah, yeah. Um, early on, I so I have generalized anxiety disorder. I talked about this a little bit on the Bad Christian Podcast. Yeah. So apologies for anybody who listens to both. I'll, I'll be short here. Uh, I had panic attacks about end times theology as a kid, uh, sixth grade through wow. really college, but especially in sixth grade and eighth grade. Uh, and it just was like not a good developmental stage for me to be given pamphlets and books about Christ coming back. Literally the information at, at 12 years old was impacting you in a oh, yeah. physiological way. Oh yeah. I, oh, wow. I couldn't, I had a hard time falling asleep for two months in sixth grade. Oh my God. And then when, and then we took an end times class in eighth grade, we took a revelation class in my Bible, Bible class, Christian junior high and uh revelation and Daniel. And it was like a trigger. I mean, I didn't have the words for it then, but as someone with anxiety disorder, it was a panic trigger. And I had to sit in that class for four months every day and, and muscle through it. And it was awful. I, of course, I didn't have the language for all of this. And then in college, I finally read a book by a guy who is an amillennialist. So that's the idea that uh, in sort of eschatology and times theology that, that actually we're living in the millennium now that, that Jesus inaugurates before the the second coming as opposed to there will be a tribulation and all this stuff. I don't think I believe any of those options now, but when I was 19 or 18, I read that book and that was like, Oh shit. (laughs) That was just incredibly helpful for me. And so I would describe it as you have permission. I needed permission to question the theological orthodoxy of my tribe around end times thinking. And that orthodoxy was total horseshit. It was cultural. It was like the left behind books are popular. That's the whole fucking argument. So we're selling a ton of books, which by the way, are like really bad, (laughs) really poorly written, super misogynistic looking back. Hey, at the time, Just like, at the t- I, I blew through the first yeah. three or four. When, yeah, when I read four or five of them. Whenever they were oh, out, yeah. and they yeah. were easy reading, and I loved them at the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it. well, there's a whole, that's a whole conversation. But that's not a good reason right. to believe something. Like, the theology behind it is super, super flimsy. And it totally is contradicted by, like, even those guys, like, uh, Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins. And I think it's LaHaye as the theologian. LaHaye and other guys, you know, they put these scriptural principles out and then they, they just like blast through those principles left and right in their actual thought. I mean, it's just, it's total junk theology, but it sold millions and millions of books. And it was this huge cultural moment. And I needed permission to go, Oh, that is bullshit. Mm. That actually is. And so that was one piece of permission for me. And then I think, Hey, what, um, can I maybe, have a follow up? Yeah, or, sure. Like when you were going through this, did you have conversation with family or anybody about any of this? Um, like, 
shoot a the, letter to Jerry ch- Jenkins. The challenges that you were having <laughs> as a, a kid. I mean, I think yeah. of my own kids. They're not going to, you know, they're, yeah. they're going to talk to me about anything. Um, yeah, you know, actually, I had the chance. I was interviewing my mom about that topic for mm-hmm. a depolarized episode, and she doesn't really remember it. So apparently I didn't talk to her in sixth grade. She kind of remembered the eighth grade class and I, I might've mentioned like, oh, hey, I, you know, this is hard for me, but I don't know how much we talked about it, honestly. And, uh, and I don't even know if I, but it wasn't like mainly my parents doing or anything like that. So I didn't blame them for it. Although I, my well, parents, well, no, my mom know, read those books. You know books. how you can have conversation with your parents and your parents can squash something like, oh, you don't, yeah, that's not true. Don't, you know, you're mm. going down a, a rabbit hole with that. Yeah. And, I don't know. I guess I didn't, I don't remember. I have a really bad memory, for, uh, especially from my childhood. So I'm not really okay. sure what I said I with them. Curious. Yeah. No, that's a good question. And then more recently, I would say, um, I needed permission to admit that I was a progressive Christian or a liberal Christian. The The basic intuitions that I have about theology, about, uh, about homosexuality, about violence in the Old Testament, about men and women in the church, I actually, these intuitions have not changed since I was 19 or 20. I mean, they are roughly the same. I've learned, you know, a thousand times more than I knew then. And I didn't, but I didn't think I could admit that. And that was because I was so afraid of becoming a liberal Christian. I was sometimes more afraid of that than I was afraid of becoming an atheist because I think the in-group, out-group rhetoric was so strong and it was so powerful, effective, I mean. And so uh, I feel like God has given me permission to be myself in terms of those intuitions through um, really just loving me in, in contemplative practice through centering prayer and Christian meditation. Uh, and that has made it so indelibly clear to me that I'm loved and accepted by God, that then I can be honest about my intuitions. I can be honest about the scriptural arguments that make the most sense to me, um, et cetera, et cetera. Is that like a New Year's resolution? What? You're being honest with yourself? Like, <laughs> no, I, it's more like a dam that was ready to okay. break. Honestly, I mean, it's been building up for so long, and I've just been—I just hedge a little bit at a time. Right. I'd slide a little bit to the left. I'd slide a little bit to the left. Uh, you know, kind of like waiting for the lightning bolt. Not really. I mean, I wasn't—I wasn't like—I wasn't raised with that much trauma that I really thought God was going to like punish me. But I there's certainly that palpable sense of like. This is not, this is not an acceptable kind of a Christian to be, and I wasn't able to really acknowledge that. Which is the crazy thing about that is, what if I had just been, I don't know, raised Methodist? Yeah, it never would have occurred to me that it was unacceptable. But I was raised evangelical, and that's arbitrary in a, in this sense. Right. You know, I went to an Episcopal church on Sunday. No kid that grows up in that church thinks that God will punish them if they have liberal intuitions. They would never even think it. They wouldn't think to think it. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's liberal. That's they're Episcopal. Yeah. Right? Or it's not even and like so, it's not even like the label liberal. They don't even think of it in that term probably. Yeah, I mean eventually when they get to college right. they probably will. Yeah. But you know, like you know what I'm saying? Like so it's I needed that permission and for me what I needed was 
uh, the comfort and joy and acceptance and, and just like reservoir of love that a lot of people experience in contemplative practice. Not everybody. Uh, I have experienced it and I'm grateful for it. And that's apparently what I needed. On top of that, going back to your left behind theology, England doesn't have the the fascination with the rapture that right. we do over here. The young earth, older thing is from what I've heard is kind of confusing to them over there. Like they don't get why it's a, a big schism in the American church. Right. When I, what if I had been born in England? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, and that, that was a big shift for me is thinking on those types of things, like where, where you're born and then you learn a little bit about free will and you get into some pretty heady debates about whether we have free will or not. Like not even, not even theological debates, just people thinking, determinism or not right. you and you and john kind of dove into that a little bit i think on the first the the new one from reconstruct where john shared mm. a little bit of how about his current goings on and yeah. he mentioned some things and john just laying out how the idea of free will is was that shifting for him uh, I think without mischaracterizing him, I think I could at least say that what has shifted for him is a greater, for him, it's become more clear how arbitrary a lot of people's um, intuitions are and the the scholars or experts that they happen to have read or happen to be familiar with or happen to find convincing. And um, I think that basically his his intellectual and theological humility has, has gone up on steroids uh, for him into a, into a, a, basically a position of greater skepticism probably than I now have. Yeah. That really helped me is learning, learning, wait a second, like a God, if I, if there is this personal God that created everything and he's going to hold people accountable for things they don't really have a choice in, or maybe they have like a little narrow band of, actions they can take up or down or making little choices. But in the grand scheme of things, ultimately there's really not like you can just choose to believe something total counterintuitive to what, what, what the way you were raised. That was kind of mm-hmm. mind blowing to me and allowed me to kind of explore. What would be, what would be the, your options there as far as alternatives? I'm going to take out these uh, rubber bands in my braces. <laughs> Is that why you haven't been? That's, that's is great. that why you haven't that's been talking? Radio, Scott. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zach, what would be the alternatives on uh, your options as far as whatever you're talking about? Um, can you clarify that? Wait, a little do bit? we have the uh, the boxing? Ding, ding, ding. No, but we have that. <laughs> oh one. my gosh! Come out and fight. We have this. Shut one. up, Scott. We oh. have this one. See if you recognize this. Mm, hermeneutics. Is that me? Hey, oh, that's Dan. that sounds oh. familiar. Very. Yeah. Wow. All right, Scott. Oh, can I? I can go. Uh, well, <laughs> well, if you're, um, I don't know. You're, no, you're just saying something about free will and um, how people in other places might not have free will. Um, so a, a loving God, or what was your phrase for God? Uh, all caring. Uh, just an all-knowing God all-knowing being. God. Yeah. I didn't. I don't think I explained it very well, but but, e- but either way, I'm just saying. So what's you're you're talking about someone else's view, but I'm saying what's what are the options in your mind that are contrary or 
The alternatives. Uh, the alternatives to the view you are talking about. Oh, it's mainly just the idea of worrying about needing to convert the world or evangelism, like saving people from hell, like getting people to make a decision for Christ was something I felt like I should do more growing up, but I never really did it that much uh, because of, mainly because of fear and social anxiety a little bit, but coming to the realization that maybe actually the idea of a, of a God, an all knowing God holding things against people for eternity based saying, on their limited that's understanding. Else, that's someone else. No, just view. in general. I know, but that's right. That's exactly. That's someone else's view okay. or holding me accountable. So what is, so I'm saying, what are the options for you that are not that view, but are in this category? What are, so like, what's your view basically? If I could jump Please in, do. save me Dan. <laughs> so, um, the one le- one level is you might say it's not orthodoxy, it's orthopraxy yes. or something like that. So it's not right belief that God cares about, it's right action that God cares about or right commitment, right trust, something like that. Another thing you could say is it is orthodoxy, it is right belief, but God understands the particularity of each person's experience. And so God as a just God would not hold things against someone that they had no way of knowing. This is where you get uh, concepts like the age of accountability. Yeah. So there's a couple options. I mean, then you might go further and say, um, all of this stuff seems like very weird, uh, a very weird thing for God to use as an arbiter of who is in and who is out. And probably if people just could see God clearly, everybody would be in. And so maybe, after people die, they're given another shot to accept God without all of the all of their sins and and the ways that they've been sinned against, uh, all that pain and all that dysfunction uh, impacting their decision as it surely does in our real lives. People don't make none of us make a clear choice on God, right? I mean, even the word God, the word Jesus, have, means different things to different people based on their experience. So. That's another way you yeah, might the, go. The way I see things is that people were given opportunities to see God clearly. Um, and we see that we see the examples of that in the Old Testament. Uh, sometimes in the New Testament, um, there's some miracles and whatnot. But um, but even then, they they reject God. Uh, <laughs> Israel, after being led out of Egypt, they still worship the golden calf, and within mm-hmm. you know time frame of forty days. Um, and the idea, the way I view the, uh, evangelism is that whatever we think about, uh, what other people have been exposed to, um, the, the command or the admonishment or, uh, whatever you want to call it is given to go. And take this message to the ends of the earth, um, no matter what we think. Now that's that's what that's what was the charge of the church. That's what the church is supposed to do. Um, so, don't we? Don't our experiences and who we are shape our unique experiences? Shape how that God's word is going to play out into the world. Sure. 
So well, to to a certain extent, I mean, it's not like it's it's. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. Go ahead. Oh, thanks, Dan. Dan's keep up. No, thanks. I was I was asking. Thanks, Zach. But I want to hear from I want to hear from our <laughs> guest. Thanks. Shut up, Scott. Thanks, no, Zach, go. for allowing me to continue. Okay, go. Gosh darn it. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, to a certain extent, but it's not like it's not infinite without boundaries. We are bounded by what God has revealed to us. So, sure, we we each are. We everyone's different, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the kind of thing that like missiologists are you know work on and, and write books about and and chat about. Um, a couple things about the Great Commission. Uh, for instance, Dallas Willard, the late philosopher and theologian from USC, his take was what he called the great omission is that we in post-enlightenment individual focused West, we think of the great commission as go and make converts, go and make individual converts of brains slash souls to the way of Christ. But he said, that's not how anybody would have understood that when it was written. The people who followed Christ were the followers of a rabbi in a culture where this was normal. And you had, you had people apprentice in the way of their teacher. And we know the early church in Acts is called the way. That's the first name we have for Christianity. And that's a very Greek notion. It's an Aristotelian Platonic notion that we've kind of lost. Uh, it was alive and well in the medieval period when people would apprentice to be a blacksmith or a farmer or whatever. We don't really apprentice anymore. Well, we don't really submit ourselves to the authority of a master um, like people do in martial arts. And that's a lot more what people would have understood that to mean in their time. That's what Willard says. Another way you might take it is say, well, okay, fine. Let's say we are actually supposed to spread the gospel, spread the message. Well, you still have a question of how and how should that be done? And it's not clear to me that that should be done the same way in a globally internet-connected 2019 as it should have been done in AD 35. And was certainly something that missiologists talk about, and the, the episode just came out today with David Leong from Seattle Pacific University Christian School here in Seattle. When you start looking at the way that missions have actually been done by the West, they have usually usually been combined with some sort of economic imperialism and colonialism. And people have been threatened to convert or be killed. Uh, the stories out of Latin America and Africa are, are just fucking insane. It's hard to even read them and think about them. They're so counter to the gospel. So we might want to think, well, if that's how mostly it was done, what does that say? And, and so we have to think, even if we agree that the, the most important thing is for people to hear the gospel, we still have to think about how, what's the best way to do that. And so there's a lot of different ways, uh, sort of out of, of this problem that Zach brought up. Well, I mean, just, yeah. So I agree that there, there are different ways. Like Jeff, when Jeff asked me a question and I was responding to it, um, Thank you, Scott. <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, there are different ways, but that, my my point was that it's that we do it, and sure, let's mm -hmm. think about yeah because the way we do it would be probably found as the biblical teaching. Like we we would we would get that from scripture how they did that. Uh, that's a actually that's a different. You need a separate argument for that. Um, 
I don't, I don't see why that would be the case. I mean, I think scripture tells us we need to go. And, uh, I would argue that my entire podcast is essentially preaching the gospel to people, but there's, but the question of how to do it is definitely not in the Bible. Let's be honest. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, we don't even get the Trinity in the, in the scripture that, that had to come through bishops and theologians reflecting on scripture. I don't think we're too far off here. I'm I'm, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I haven't said anything. I'm talking in generalities. Yeah. Um, so you I, I haven't even like. I, I guess I'm I just mean if we want to say, if we want to say, how should we evangelize? And someone answers, we should look to scripture. I would say, no, not for method. What we should look to scripture for is Christ-like principles. Oh, what are the okay. principles of our faith? And then let's use the historical record and psychology and cultural anthropology and all of this stuff to then come up with a good plan. For instance, if John Chow, the recent guy who was killed in North Sentinel Island, if John Chow had availed himself of that knowledge, he he would not be dead right now. So it's not, it's even if, so there is a difference. It's sort of like, uh, what, where should we get the information? Uh, Is the answer to just simply comb scripture and double comb it? Or is the answer to look at scripture for the broad strokes? This is the foundational document of our faith. This is where we get all the basics of Christ. And if we're Trinitarians, then Jesus is what God looks like. Do we do that? And then do we pass, do we pass all the information we can get from the sciences through those Christian principles? I think it's the latter. And you, you might not disagree, but it sounded more to me like, uh, let's just keep combing scripture. Let's just check scripture against other scripture. Eventually, all the scripture will give us the answer. Uh, uh, scripture's our starting point. Um, yeah. You're going to go outside of scripture, Scott? Is this new? What are you talking about? Is this different, or is this a new thing for you? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> so what was You the, have permission to well, speak no. freely. I I have never <laughs> I have never claimed that okay. that we can't right. ever use anything outside of scripture. Okay. Okay. Oh, seriously? Zach, no. Like, both, seriously, Zach? Hold on. I don't know. Zach, did I you don't have know an, an answer to your own question that you had of Dan? Well, I I don't know if this is an answer, but I'll just confess about permission. I'll just confess to It's easy for me currently to see big picture Christ being overall and through all and in all like a, a Christian universalism is, is basically where I'm at right now. And when I get asked particulars by Scott, it's a struggle for me because I, I, and I'm also learning how to articulate it and learning how to study that there is this thread throughout scripture. If you have the eyes to see it, or if you're looking through that lens, you can see it. And I also understand cause it's where I'm from that there's also the verses and the thoughts and there's Jesus being pretty harsh about certain things. That's there too. Oh yeah. And that's there. That's not to be discarded and not wrestled with, but it's, I see the big picture and, and so I'm struggling to like get back into the particulars and it's, it's not easy for me right now. Something that uh, I've been given permission to do through various authors and whatnot is to see scripture as a multivocal collection of writings. And and that word and concept, I think, makes so much sense out of what we encounter in the Bible. There, it, there is a voice 
in scripture that Christ reconciles everything to God in the end. There is a voice that there is a very strong sorting of the sheep and the goats at the end. Those two are not actually reconcilable with each other. There is a voice. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I mean, I think that I know that a lot of people think that they are. I'm convinced by the argument that they're not, that the Bible does not speak with one voice on matters of doctrine. It speaks with one voice on the very central tenets of our faith. I think everything in the Apostles' Creed is only presented one way in Scripture. It's not really contradicted. But in terms of further doctrines, the type of stuff that uh, separates denominations from each other, for instance, I think the Bible is not of one voice on those topics. And then if we acknowledge that, then all of a sudden that conflict makes sense. And then we might ask ourselves, theologically, what does that mean? What does it mean that God gave us a multivocal Bible? But now I'm getting kind of ahead of myself. uh, 30,000 or so denominations evidence of that? What you're talking Which about. the number's not true, by the way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's Whatever. it's something like if you if you if you group together similar ones, it's it's like five hundred or something okay. like that. It's still but a still, lot. So yes. you might say, yeah, but still, there are five hundred discrete ways of reading the Bible, which is still plenty, right? right? Um, and those are meaningful differences uh, on at least one, you know, pretty major issue. And that's not hard to imagine. If you imagine there are 50 questions, right? And you, if there are two sides of each, that's 50 squared. Yeah, I mean, you, had, get, you get to 2,500 uh, pretty a, quick. someone on the podcast. Bonnie. Bonnie and... Christian. Bonnie yeah. Christian. And, and, I just, and yeah, she's, she's coming out on, on next Monday on my uh, show. Flexible, a Flexible Faith. Flexible. So in there, she says Fantastic. Like two million or something. Yeah. Uh, with 10... Technically... With ten yeah. different, uh, we're going through her book on our drinking club. I'd call it a Bible study, but it's <laughs> oh, nice. a drinking club. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I've thought about doing that uh, book with a group myself, um, and I'd like to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so I, I there's an argument that Christian Smith, who is a sociologist, makes in his book "The Bible Made Impossible," and he says, "Look, if the Bible spoke with one voice, you'd think that uh, Protestants would agree more." On this stuff. And of course, the the non-Protestant denominations, they can kind of shoehorn in their agreement because they're not, it's not strictly speaking based on the Bible. It's Christian tradition and it's the, the church magisterium interpreting the Bible. That's in the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church. And to some extent, Episcopal Anglican Church. But in Protestantism, uh, it's just sola scriptura. It's just the Bible. And yet, here we have these 500 meaningfully different ways of reading it. And it is not immediately clear who's right. And so he says, look, there's two options. One option is the Bible is in fact univocal. And we are just really, really bad at putting all the puzzle pieces together. The other option is it's not a puzzle. The pieces don't fit not in the way that we would like them to. And I just think that that second option is far more well, reasonable yeah. so, uh, explanation of the data. I, I would say I would say the the opposite that we are the problem the humans sure. who are, who we can't point to anyone today or anyone after the apostles who Jesus gave authority to. We can't point to them and say, "Oh, they're led by the Holy Spirit uh to write down what God is revealing to us. Uh, so I, I would go with the f- more with the first one, saying that it's yeah. humans. God has revealed to us, 
and we we are messing it up. I mean, they they even in the first century there was there was disagreement and there were false teachers and that had to be corrected. So this all comes. Does yeah. all of the all these conversations Wait. come down to? Yeah, let me respond Please to do. Scott before I lose my. Tra- Jeff hasn't spoken lo- in a while. Lose my train of thought, and it's gone. <laughs> I, I'm thinking: Are we, are we living? Am I living in sin and my flaws and learning about God, my Father, because I'm, and your my, mother. That's my sounding board. Or am I, am I supposed to be living a perfect life? which is impossible. And uh, so Scott when you when you're what you're saying it's like I should be sifting through and confirming, yes, I'm a sinner here. I did this wrong and I need to do this. But ultimately, aren't I just learning about God and who he's created me to be and wants me to be and wants me to put things that I don't need to worry about aside and just move forward and keep learning from my father um, as opposed to I'm wrong and I'm a bad person and I'm going to be judged and I'm going to burn in hell. (laughs) (laughs) But it seems like that's somewhat of the argument you make. That's not it. Not at all. Um, Maybe you're going. F- we talk a lot. Okay, a lot. You mixed a lot. Do you of, agree? Okay, you mixed a lot of categories. Dan, do you Dan think take what Jeff said and make a question learning? out of it to Scotch. <laughs> do you think we're no, just I learning? Gonna, can I? Shh. No. Do you think we're just learning, Dan, about Shut ourselves up, Scott. from from just going through life and our experiences and what we know about God and just learning more about who God is, who He wants us to be, as we go through life. And if we're truly being honest with ourselves and trying to be a good son, um, knowing that we have a loving father, that we're just going to aspire to try and breathe that life to other people, knowing that we're, we're flawed, but we're trying to put the pieces together. Yeah, I, th- I think I understand what you're saying. Let me rephrase it in some theological terms. That I think what we're talking about here is total depravity. This is the first item of the Calvinist uh, acrostic tulip, mm. which is the shorthand for basically Calvinist predestination. Total depravity does not mean that we're totally pieces of shit through right. and through. Total depravity means that our sin affects every part mm-hmm. of what makes us human, which would include our reason. Um, Can I, say I have that seen real, real quick yeah. on total depravity. Most people I know yeah. that talk about it err on the side of we're total pieces of shit always. Yeah, I mean, look, every uh, for every very clear theological statement by some theologian, there's like a thousand versions of folk religion, right? right that that don't quite get that right, and that's true in Christianity and every other religion. So, um. I have, I affirm total depravity in that in that strict sense that um, and I've seen too many people believe too many insane things. It doesn't. It's not hard to find. I mean, I met a woman from the Wild Wild Country cult oh, really? the other day, who's still on board with Osho. Uh, you know, people believe all kinds of stuff, and and we don't believe it for, for rational reasons. I mean, one way of thinking about total depravity affecting our rationality is just to read any textbook on psychology and go, Oh my gosh, people are not rational beings. Mm -hmm. We don't have pure reason. 
And so it's, uh, I do like, if what you're asking me, Jeff is, does God still love us? And does God primarily want us to learn to love him back? Absolutely. If you're asking, is that a guarantee that we will not err? I think it's not Mm -hmm. a guarantee that we will not err. And so reason is important. People believe all kinds of bullshit all the time, myself included. I don't know which pieces I believe that are bullshit, certainly some of them. And so uh, I don't think that what Scott was saying is necessarily as harsh as you took it to be. I don't even think it was close. No, it wasn't (laughs) harsh. (laughs) I was just saying that that there's a difference between keep that theological scooter train rolling. That's what I'm right. talking about. I, I just think there's a, <laughs> I was just saying that there's a difference between the apostles who Jesus appointed right. and everyone else. That's I, I think that's clear from scripture that they had the authority. The other people didn't. So I'm just putting, I'm just, yeah, I mean, yeah, you still categories there. You're, you're, Scott's just making a Protestant argument against orthodoxy and uh, Catholicism. But the problem you still run into with that Protestant argument about sola scriptura is who decided what would be in the Bible? The church with well, the guiding of the I, Holy Spirit. But I think, I think you – well, I'll get back to Jeff's question. But I think you know that, that – uh, I mean, it was going before like Nicaea or whatever in the 300s. I don't even know. But uh, that there was – the canon came together, um, not not at the council. Yeah. It was it was before that. Yeah, there were but, lists floating th- around. And- through what mechanism was it was it congealed? Uh, I would say it's the Holy Spirit acting on the early church uh, sure. leaders. Yeah, because which is exactly yeah. what the Catholics and Orthodox focus on for all their other stuff. So it it's the same mechanism that you get in Catholicism. Okay, and then for Protestants, it just stops. Well, yeah. yeah, that worked through the creed and the Bible, and then it's done. And now all we have is the Bible. I think uh, that's a little bit. Uh, yeah. And I'm not. Like, I'm a Protestant, so yeah. And, and don't get me be wrong. Like uh, there'd be some problems with that because you know, yeah, the Catholics they would have. Uh, well, if other right, if those writings were inspired, then we have other writings. But then they don't call you, those you other problems, writings scripture. Yeah. But we're going to take them as authoritative, but they're not scripture, yep. and then you get into all that uh, round of. Give yeah. me, a, give me a person from any deni- any branch of Christianity, and I can find four things that don't make sense to me about their tradition. Yeah. None of them are perfect. Yeah. Uh, I advocate for sticking to one and acknowledging its weaknesses while sure. you do so. Uh, but still, so Jeff, yeah, I, and so I agree with I agree with what Dan said that um, I love what with what Dan just said right there. That's. Incredible. Like I think that he should repeat that again slower, <laughs> sticking with one. What whatever branch of Christianity is the one for you, stick with it and acknowledge its limitations. You don't need to cheerlead for your own tribe as being perfect, yeah. because yours isn't. But just like the other ones aren't. But you got to just have to find a home where you can love God well. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, so yeah, Jeff, now I by Jeff go. <laughs> and you while you and while you respond to Jeff, I'm in a I've I've been watching you guys drinking beers, sitting here thinking, why am I not drinking a beer? I'm gonna go grab a beer yeah, while you respond to Jeff. I'll be right back. No, I I, I thought Dan's response was good, and um, but I I, I yeah I just I'm, maybe I don't understand the question as far as like. 
we're sinners. Can I be a peacemaker here? No, keep. Okay, keep going just a little bit. I've been. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, just spit the spit it out. Um, is it possible? I'm just, okay because I'm gonna. Oh, okay, so, so Scott, do it. Get then. out of here, Scott. Is it possible that our previous conversations are kind of bleeding into this conversation? Uh, I guess. And you're That's reading possible. into what Scott was saying. I actually, I actually wasn't really directly responding to something Scott was saying. It was more indirectly based off the question of, you know, what are the things you're giving yourself permission to? He kind of said that though, and said what? That you're you're responding to me. No, I wa- I was, <laughs> but not so direct in what you were saying. It was more. And and Zach's prob- is right. There are some general conversations that we've had uh, where you've stated some things in the past, and I that probably some of my that background is bleeding into this conversation. And it's not so much that I he walks back to the door. He's got a beer. He's sitting. It's not down. so much that I don't agree. I'm wrestling with some things. In I'm back, it, FYI. He is back. In what I give beer. myself permission to, and that is in what I said to Dan, am I, I'm struggling with, uh, are, we suppo- are we working to live a perfect life, or are we letting just our flaws and reflecting um, perf- try- perfect us, um, or improve? improve us as people because that improvement shines a light on other people knowing that you know we're going through a struggle or we have sinned and we're trying we're getting back on our feet and we're trying to recover repenting and and sometimes going to people that we've wronged but that in in that we're demonstrating this great holy spirit that lives within us that's our sounding board at least mine that when I reflect, I'm like, I have to be a better person. And then I fall again and I get back up and sometimes I fall and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm just not going to be able to make it at least. And then, you know, I look back, I'm like, well, then it was at least for now at that point. And then I got back up at some point, you know, (laughs) metaphorically speaking, but it's just, uh, it's a constant fight, but I either give up and I give up on God or I keep going and and I allow God to continue his work in me. And yeah, so I'm going to put exact- some inspirational music behind that. And Jeff, so I when I, that. so Scott, when you say when you say certain things like, well, have you looked at the scripture? I'm like, I, I know the principles like Dan's mentioning the principles that there's a, a this big picture of principles and. I don't get into the the weeds of right. all of Can what's I? said in the Bible. It's more of a big picture and like yeah, I gotta I, live. I'm not. I'm not. Um, so I, I don't know if. I, so what? Yeah. They're, Dan's they're, still back, ladies and gentlemen. He's just <laughs> he's waiting in the wings. Go ahead, Scott. I, I don't think there should okay. be an aversion to um, looking at scripture. I don't think I've. Uh, I, I I go to scripture a lot, and I don't think that I use it as like. Like, hey, this is what this scripture says. So if you don't if you don't agree with my what I think this scripture says, then 
then there's something wrong with you. I don't think I've. Well, you I don't do think ask I've, for us to really think so I gotta, about. I think I gotta, about hey, Zach, that. Zach, can can uh, Jeff and I have a conversation? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna get in the middle of it right now and stop it. I'm, I'm gonna bring Dan back in. I, I've, I well, certainly like, some like 15 seconds to what Jeff said. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. But Dan. Scott, you might not do that, but certainly some people do. Sure. And, and maybe what's going on is that Jeff has had people who have done that in his life. And po- so possibly, maybe possibly, Jeff, but when he's, he's yeah. referring to me, I'm not completely and, referring and to so you. And so I'm just, I, I, we were just having a conversation. So I was just, I was just going back to, I was just responding to what you were saying. Okay. And I, I, I agree with what you're saying that, um, that, yeah, we, that's everyone's plight is that, is that we we continually fall short, right? But that's why I that, I think that's why there are so many admonitions in Scripture to uh, to be better, to right. to uh, be disciplined. Um, I agree. So pointing pointing to those scriptures is is that yeah we're we're all we're all in that same boat. Some people have uh, more struggles than others, um, but we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But we still sin, um, even 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 theologically. So even like Peter, he he messed up. There's there's uh, Paul, uh, I think it's Acts or Galatians or I forget uh, talks about that where uh, Paul had to rebuke Peter for for uh, 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 associating with the Judaizers and and uh, going against the, the the uncircumcised. So even even. Peter. But I don't have to look to Scripture to know that when I'm at fault so, or or in sin, um, and that's what I'm saying. Just the fact oh, yeah. of point, like, have you looked at this, or uh, you know, have you really well, reflected on that? I would I'm ask, like, I know it's the yeah. Holy Spirit is in so, my soul. I can, can I, I jump in real quick? It. Yeah, I would ask. I would ask where. So my my point of view is that yeah, okay, yes, we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is is guiding us. Um. But scripture is this is our starting point, and it's our it's our source of truth as far as uh, what we think about God, how we view God. Going beyond scripture is well, in scripture is is denounced. Well, then, then Scott, somehow um, the Bible got downloaded on my heart, and I no, I uh, no, and, I agree. I'm not dis- I'm not disagreeing right. with that. What I'm saying though is that. We should, even though we're led by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit should be guiding us to to go to what God has revealed to us to help us in, like you're saying, guide us through life, right. learn, grow, right. move towards sanctification. I know some people think that sanctification is a one-time act, but uh, uh, but we, yeah, move towards that, move towards godliness, be more like Jesus. Can I so, jump so, in yeah. real quick? I want to hear what Dan has. Yeah, to Dan, say. Dan, we've got Jeff. Any thoughts here? Jeff, who does not. He's okay, got he's he's got it. I know he's he does, it. but hold on. <laughs> Jeff obviously does not care about scripture in the way that Scott does. And <laughs> That's not true. It, no, it's not, it's not no, true. No, 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 But I'm, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, say Jeff, you have a sense of how God loves you, and therefore how you are a to love other people. Sense without scripture and a deep sense of of how you're sinful as well i'm hearing yeah he knows when he knows he, you knows when I, you fuck up you, it's i know it's clear when to you when you mess up turn yeah yeah absolutely yeah and scott's got more of the emphasis on there's more of a scriptural em- emphasis on getting your authority from that than jeff yeah maybe what we're maybe what we're dealing here with here is um how much scripture do you need to know to live a christian like life 
And how much scripture do you need to look through to discuss the finer points of doctrine? And if you want to discuss the finer points of doctrine, you need to know a hell, a whole hell of a lot. And I would say the most clear offender of that principle would be the late Chuck Smith, who founded Calvary Chapel movement. Shots fired. I and like who it. Keep going. In insisted that no one ever needed to go to seminary to be a preacher of the word of God, and yet uh, spent his whole ministry life uh, pontificating on the finer points of end times theology, but he refused to go to seminary. So I think that's silly. Uh, We don't need to know a lot of, we do need to know a lot of scripture if we want to talk about the end times and Christ's return and prophecy and all that. Those are not, those are complex issues written in a literary genre that's extinct. But if you want, I mean, but you have people in the Gospels asking Christ what what the Christian life is. He, they wouldn't have called it that then. But, you know, what, what must I do to be saved? Love the Lord God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, do that and, and you'll be saved. You'll have eternal life. So there is like a tension between the basics of what it takes to live out one's faith in 95% of the decisions that we make, maybe more. Anybody can do that. The thief on the cross knew enough to do that. Uh, the woman who gave her last penny, who obviously is not educated, knew enough to do that, right? Uh, so, yeah. But if you want to get into the nitty gritty and you want to talk, you know, and not all of us are called to that. Not everybody has to care. My wife does not care to the extent that I do about this stuff. And she doesn't have to. God's not forcing her to. I try not to force yeah. her to. Uh, she doesn't really care about various atonement theories. She's honestly not that interested. <laughs> now, if she then said, but here's why I know you're wrong, Dan, and I don't have to prove any scripture to that. Well, that would be stupid, right? For, you know, if she was going to make that claim, but if she's like, oh, I don't think that's really what I need to focus on. I was mean to my boss today and I'd like to, uh, I'd like her to forgive me. Well, yeah, okay, and I, great. And I'm not even, you don't uh, need that. I'm not even going into the finer. I'm not even talking about like f- the, technical theological points i'm just i'm just in general i'm just i'm talking mainly in generalities here uh scripture we we all should be going to scripture i i i i just i i find it odd that um i think i'm being clear on that but i just find it odd that there's an aversion to that i i'm I'm not sure if, if you guys are like importing other ideas into this but I, I, Don't I, bring me into this. I didn't, I didn't even say anything beyond going to scripture. Yeah. I, so I just, I, I, I find it odd. But I, no, I, I agree with what you said, Dan. Yep. I think Jeff's working out some some demons from his past Ooh. here. I mean, you get back to us when you figure out yeah. Well, yeah, what, it, what it was. Yeah, shut up, Dan. Jeff, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you shut up. You shut up, sir. How dare you? <laughs> hey, as someone who's been in counseling for four years now, I no judgment yeah. there, yeah, Jeff. We got. We all got a lot Jeff, to work Eric, out. Um, and 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 I guess to not to not to uh, belittle or, or put you know to, on to, the record, to, Dan, <laughs> I'm fighting current demons. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got time for the yeah. past demons, man. My plate's full with current demons. Yeah, but, Jeff, put a fork in them. Jeff, not to not to uh, with the current uh, demons. Belittle what what you're going through, but um, belittle away. But uh, every, but yeah, we we all. We all are struggling, and some more than others. And and it's in some way, it's a comfort. Like, oh, hey, just going through something. Whew, good thing I'm not going through that. You know? No, I so completely. Hey, it seems like a lot of these come back to. Some and I was going to say this earlier: is that 
I remember, Zach. Yeah, you started to say a sentence that sounds like this. <laughs> you, you do have a good memory. Um, Short term. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it comes back to what you think the nature of inspiration is for the Bible, and then therefore yeah. how authoritative is the Bible? Is it like a blanket, like everything is inerrancy versus not? Or I've, I've heard definitions of inerrancy that... I agree with, which makes me feel like it's you're not really talking about inerrancy anymore. It, like it runs a gamut from like every single word fundamentalist to, yeah, you know, a, a, a more reasonable inerrancy or infallibility. And do you? Th- where does this come in? What do you think? Actually, I'm interested on your take on inerrancy because that is such it, a it just broad, just for the record. Topic. Just for the record, this is not anything i said because i was talking in general no 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 no. yeah right? for sure, okay. right. okay. for sure. Yeah. but i but i do think Cause it's not something i'm harping on now i'm just just because yeah, i've been you're accused many hook. times you're, you're off the hook bro we'll okay it, you're good we'll you know sure i can't let things go i'm we'll just make sure I just it gets gotta get noted it out there. in the record we'll get, yeah. make sure it gets noted Caveats. yeah i mean there's like a big there's a big continuum of of views right so i think okay when i say inerrancy I will let's let's take a, a version that I think is more palatable. That's inerrancy of the original autographs, right? The original manuscripts, which everybody knows we don't have. So that's kind of like that's the view of a lot of people who um, who have done just uh, I don't know seminary work on on sort of textual studies, and they see that there are some manuscript differences, right? You know, sometimes you have these asterisks in your Bible. Early manuscripts do not include these the verses, or some manuscripts use this Greek word. Some manuscripts the use this Greek word. I, I so, think has that language in there specific, explicitly. Yeah, ori- in original autographs. Right, that's right. So let's call that the version that we would discuss because, um, like, I've met people, I've debated people, unfortunately, that believe like King James is you know, the only thing. Which doesn't Get on make YouTube, any sense. you will. Oh man. <sighs> oh. Oh, dude, you yeah, you want to go on, down a hole? Start YouTubing on King James Version is the only Bible. Um, <laughs> why God waited yeah. till King James yeah. is is the biggest question. Um, anyway, so I think that if we if we mean that, so that means that the Bible contains, and then it's no errors of usually historical or moral or whatever kind of a fact. Like basically if you understood and, but there are still different ways people might mean this. So there are people who could, who often they mean if you understand the authorial intent of a passage, if you understand what the original author meant by it, that is error free. Other people might say, if you understood what the original audience would have thought it meant, that's error free. Uh, or some people might have a looser inerrancy and say, well, no, we're going to include uh, early like church father forms of scriptural interpretation, like metaphoric and analogical interpretation. And they might say one of those forms of interpretation will always at least be true with no error. Now, if we get to that, I mean, I might consider myself an inerrantist. I don't know. It depends on how far you can stretch it. But no, for I me, I think... <laughs> I think if we really what we're usually talking about when when it gets down to brass tacks is people want to say if I can find the verses or the passage or the intent of the biblical author on this topic then I will have settled the question. That's what inerrancy means, I think. Whereas a non-inerrantist, uh, a, a more liberal if you will, scriptural interpreter would say, "No, just because we know what the author said, Sometimes those are wrong. The author is the author so, is wrong about what he said. 
Sometimes. Uh, right. About that's what, what he said. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. That's the difference. So, you know, like Greg Boyd, but this is, but here's where it gets gray. So Greg Boyd, for instance, will say he's an infallibilist or maybe he's a kind of an inerrantist. Uh, but he thinks that like all the stories of violence in the Old Testament are inspired. They are there for a reason, but they are negative examples. So they are there to say literally the opposite of what they say on their face. So that's interesting. You can do that. Uh, I think it's simpler to just say sometimes the authors are clearly wrong. Um, When when uh, Peter is it at the end of first or second Peter says, so men love your wives as the weaker sex. Like, I think he's just wrong about that. But the weaker, Uh, I think the Greek word weaker is not. I mean, there's a there's a meaning to weaker. That's not like the English weaker. That's what he's saying. Well, yeah. uh, no, I mean, no, I, I think, think there are, no, different. I think that there's ways, yeah, I think there's ways, um, there are ways around these gender problems in the New Testament, uh, but my view like, this is, uh, mean delicate, is that, like, del- like, like a, like a vase is, like, sure. they're, they're the more delicate sex. I, I, I've, I've heard that. Yeah, so that might yeah, be true. So that that may be the case. Weaker. I'm just, okay, yeah. But my, my view is that there's a broader pattern of, of sort of misogynist patriarchal stuff in both the Old and New Testament, that those statements just kind of come out of naturally. Uh, and so I think that the writers were wrong. They weren't wrong about the thrust of what they were saying. Yeah. Peter's not wrong that husbands should love their wives. And if you assume a hierarchical system where men are better than women... If that is true and you have no way of questioning that, then what you ought to say to men is to love their women as the weaker sex. Like that is the Christ-like thing to do in, in that context. In the era context. of being misogynistic. Yeah, in the era of rampant or, misogyny. Or, 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 that's no, even beautiful. Error. In the error, yeah. you're saying that even though they're wrong about misogyny, yes. that yeah. they're still right about loving their wife. Now, yeah. yeah, if you control for misogyny, then you can see how that's yeah. beautiful. But they're still wrong and about. So, still, now, yeah, but, this this idea of inerrancy is different than I. I oh, I'm saying I, right. that's why I don't do inerrancy. I just think it's easier to not use that yeah. word because you're getting into so much gymnastics. You're you're doing so many double, triple moves. I just think it's better to say the Bible is a record of God inspiring God's people, Godward. You know, and it's also a, it's a, um, the gospels and the new Testament letters are like a reliable source of information about Jesus Christ. Generally reliable, like like Kona or the, yeah, maybe even totally. uh, Well, I don't know if it simplifies it, but, uh, well, yeah, it certainly is complicated (laughs) in some ways, but I mean, I, I think that like, you know, you you want to talk about the four gospels for instance. So these are all episodes that are upcoming, by the way, uh, the homosexuality episode, focuses mainly on the patriarchy Who's argument because it it uh daniel okay. kirk so he's so it applies he's debated uh a few people um he robert yeah, gagnon for that, instance that gagnon debate wow mm-hmm. is 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 pretty good and he also debated um not kent hoven um the other the other uh not strobel uh mcdowell he debated josh mcdowell mm. Well, Josh it wasn't McDowell. really a debate; yeah. it was like a discussion. But those are those are good if you want to mm-hmm. go look at the Kirk Gagnon and the yeah. jo- uh, Josh, uh, not Josh totally. McDowell, uh, Sean, Sean McDowell, Sean McDowell, yeah, his his um, his son, and Daniel yeah. Kirk. They're they're good discussions, and you'll get clear uh, clear ideas about what Kirk is saying. 
um, and and how he yep. derives uh, what he's his conclusions. Yeah. Yeah, I found Gagnon to be uh, helpful. I disagree with him, but he is a very clear thinker and he makes his arguments plainly, which I really appreciate. Uh, I've read some of his stuff as well. And then there's also an episode coming with Dale Martin about the four Gospels, which is what I was just going to say. I'm calling it the the four divergent Jesuses. Um, technically, he says there's more. There's a Jesus in Revelation that's its own kind of version of Jesus. Interesting. And I think that what we see, and in church history as well, there were attempts to harmonize the four Gospels, and they were explicitly rejected by the church. They were universally rejected. For some reason, God wants us to have these four distinct pictures of Jesus, and they don't always agree, and that's okay. And what Dale says is interesting, is he says, we spend so much time trying to harmonize them for some theological reasons that we actually miss the beauty in each of the portraits, which speak directly into our lives as Christians. The, the, the unreconcilable and distinct pictures of Jesus represent the way we experience God and the world at different times, in different seasons of life, in different mm-hmm. situations. And he thinks that we actually lose that when we try to reconcile now with, them. With, with the reconciling, uh, yeah. is um, I, depending on how or what type of reconciling someone is trying to do. Um, sure. But other others might um, pick one picture or portrait and start kind of dissolving the others based upon one particular portrait. Yes. Um, now, I yeah. think over-reconciling them, depending on the... Rec- I, think, I think the type of reconciling that would... I, I, I mean, I don't even know what, what that would be, but where you somehow make one sound like the other or or kind of mix them instead of having like a God, you know, God, God doing things at different times in, in different generations and different covenants. Um, but over reconciling and picking one um, based upon maybe your personality, where you are in life, uh, how things are going in life, you know, picking one of those and then dissolving the others is, is, is also wrong. And I think, I think that's a problem. And I, I do see that. uh, uh, I I, I do see that where you, you just, you, just hone in on Scott, one thing. Scott, is this kind of like the idea of Jesus, of right. God loving, you know, he's a loving God and he would never judge me because he just love me. Yeah, he's know? a loving so you, God, therefore you dissolve he, the other therefore ideas he cannot do He would want to correct sure. me or he would, he's not right. going to punish me. Or even r- discipline me. No consequences. Right. 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 I got gotcha. you. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that actually what Dale said more specifically he's, is he said mostly what we do in Protestant Christianity is we read all four Gospels through the lens of Paul. If we're not doing that, we read the other through other three through the lens of John. And he just thinks that we miss out. He's like, look, all four are there. They, they all have different things to say. They all can't be true at the same time in the same way, because that would be contradictory. But what we can say is that they all say things that are both true and false. They are true in some sense, and they are false in some other sense. Basically, the way they are false is if they contradict each other irreconcilably, or if they contradict the Nicene Creed, for instance, or something like that. So he says that like Mark, for instance, Jesus's parables are very complicated. They are 
they're obscure. Whenever it says that Jesus explains them, if you actually go back, the explanation doesn't really make sense. He only tells his apostles the meanings, and, and those are hard to even parse out. And then you have in Matthew a Jesus who is explaining to everybody much more clearly what Jesus means. Well, which is it? And, and Dale says, well, sometimes it's both. Or sometimes it's one and then it's the other. Sometimes in our life, what we ought to do, how we follow Christ, is totally obscure to us. And it seems totally mysterious. Other times it's plain as day, like Jeff was talking about. And we lose something if we don't retain both of those pictures of Jesus. And I find that really interesting and pretty Makes compelling. It rich and deep in a way that I, I didn't think, you know, when, when I, you first start to reject old interpretations, the danger is throwing baby Jesus right. out with the doubt bathwater or whatever. And so... Yeah. Eight pounds, six yeah, ounce exactly. baby Jesus. So I like my Jesus. <laughs> but, uh, so is this like all Jesus. the enlightenment ne- negative effects of the the negative effects of the enlightenment, where you you have people discovering reason and science, and then therefore saying we don't need certain things, we don't need this, we don't need the Bible, we don't need faith in the way we thought we did before. And then the reaction from the faith community is, no, we can prove it, and so we structure things together and try to make everything work in a super rational way that maybe the authors weren't even yeah. going for. I think it starts there. I'm no uh, expert of history of philosophy, but my understanding is that a lot of this stuff that we end up coming in contact with in like American evangelicalism, for instance— is more recent. It, it's the fundamentalist reaction to the logical positivists in the early 20th century, Bertrand Russell and, and other folks in England who are trying to find this kind of language. And basically very few people believe this anymore. Philosophers that you can find a kind of a language that's like math. If you find these right, if you use the exactly they literally want to invent a new language based on English, but its own language where the words linked up exactly with the concept or exactly with the physical thing in the world. Now, if you start thinking about physical things and you know anything about quantum physics, you see how quickly this is going to fall apart. It's one of the reasons that people aren't logical positivists anymore, but they developed this idea and they are mostly atheists. And, and then some Christians come along and they go, wait, we have language like that. We have language where each word is inextricably and perfectly linked to some true account. It's the Bible. The problem is that's not how language works, including the language of the Bible. And as we talked about, we don't even have the original autograph. So that's when you end up in this kind of weird sort of uh, backflip position as an inerrantist to go, well, there is language like that, but we don't have access to it. And you end up making a claim that really Muslims make about the Quran. And Mormons make about the Book of Mormon, which is that they are dictated texts and they are perfect. Never and that's actually changed. never been a majority yeah. view. And yeah, and that's never been a majority view in, in Christianity. And so you only start to get that view in Christianity after these fundamentalists are reacting to these atheist philosophers. That's so good. That's, that's my understanding. That's pretty, pretty good. I'll take it. <laughs> now, Unless it's gonna, wrong. Yeah. Guys, what are you drinking? I'm slumming it here with some Kirkland Signature oh, Session so, IPA. Okay. The Skype wasn't clear. I wonder who makes that. Yeah. Do you have a guess who makes that? I'm almost positive it's Gordon Beers from okay. San Jose, California, which is why it's pretty I, good. That wouldn't surprise me. I think Trader Joe's, I think Gordon Beers does some things for Trader Joe's, too. They have, I think both. I think they have these giant yeah. off-label productions. The reason I think that they make both of them is that they're like, uh, they've they've changed a bit now. 
Kirkland Signature is now like IPA, Session IPA, whatever. But they're still like the Kolsch. They used to do Mertzen, which is like a very German right. style beer. And they're making like massive quantities of Mertzen in San Jose. Yeah. Yeah. It's Gordon Biersch. Exactly. It's got to be Gordon Biersch, yeah. you know? Who else is doing so that? So give us a uh, five word review on that beer you're drinking. This uh, craft brewed session IPA from Kirkland yes. Signature. Okay, five words. He's drinking. He's sipping. It's on. Quaffable. Is that a word? Shh. It is now. Shut yeah. up, Scott. It is. It means Great, easily now he's drinkable. Over five words. Thanks, Scott. Easily quaffable. Easily lightly quaffable. Lightly. Lightly, lightly hoppy. Pleasant. Uh, hyphenated, middle nice. of the road. <laughs> That's so good. I'm using those hyphens. So it's one yeah, word. We have uh, Jeff's, what is that? Is that the rye? It's a bourbon. It's, it's the. It's this, it's, Elijah Craig. Eli- yes, it's, it's on Elijah my glass. Craig. Elijah mm. Craig. Bourbon. Nice. Yeah. Oh, you've 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 graduated from beer well, to whiskey. I graduated to something according to Zach that has less calories. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's not going to hit you as hard as the what so. we were all drinking is the Gotta Have It IPA. It's actually a double IPA from Left Coast Brewing Company in San Clemente, Ooh, California. Nice. It's nine percent, and it's probably like four to six hundred calories for a pint. I don't I'm know. sure. Yeah, that sounds great. But it's delicious. Yeah. It's a Big Mac. Hey, hey, Zach, real quick. Can we, we go a few more minutes, Dan? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. We, uh, so good. something you said earlier, and I just want to revisit real quick. Um, you, you talked about how you um, have come to an understanding of like the big picture and threads throughout Scripture. Yes. But then you said that you're just, you're just now or kind of getting around to the particulars um, something, something to that effect. Uh, it's a loose, loose phraseology. Um, I, I guess. Um, well, the question that popped in my mind is, how, 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 how did you kind of get to a large the the thread or larger bit, big picture stuff um, without the, the particulars? particulars? Good question. So for yeah. me, it would be well, the no, no, no. Wait, you ask the question. Let, let, let him answer your question. Well, that's a, a really good question. good question. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Oh, man, that's great. Um, time for testimonial. No, it was, <laughs> it was giving permission. Preach. Yeah, giving permission to myself uh, somewhat painfully to explore things that some, some cognitive dissonances that I thought I knew about God. Dis and I. Dis and I. So hell being a big shift, uh, the eternal torment, realizing that a lot of the catchphrases that kept kept people believing this, like one sin against an eternal God deserved eternal punishment. And then there's a great bit with Bonnie about that on the upcoming atonement theories episode, by the way, please continue stuff. I didn't know. Yeah, really great stuff I yeah, didn't know. I, I'm looking forward to that. She's awesome. But realizing a lot of these cliches weren't actually backed up by Scripture. It's things we put on top of Scripture to kind of make things make sense to a certain degree. Um, interpreting Scripture with Scripture. That comes with a huge-ass assumption that 
all of scripture is equally true and actually starting to pay attention to the Bible in a way it hadn't before. And then hearing also hearing debates and hearing Chris Date talk about hell against Albert Moeller. That was, I think, on Unbelievable, as yeah, previously so, yeah. mentioned. Oh, I need to listen to that one. Chris, it, is, Chris is great. He's much better than Albert Moeller. Yeah, I've come to resent Chris a little bit, but I love him in the fact that... He <laughs> <laughs> resent? Well, that's strong. <laughs> hey, we're doing a radio show here. I'm, I'm being strong and... Uh, no, uh, it's it's not resent. Shots fired. Wah, wah, wah. He's, a, he's, he's a pretty strong Calvinist in a way that... I just mm-hmm. am not about, so that part of it's hard. Oh, I totally disagree with him on that stuff, but he is a very thoughtful and caring guy, and he's great on hell stuff. Yeah, and he was super helpful for me because I heard Albert Moeller basically choking the debate. He, he appealed to tradition a lot. I think we talked yeah, about that. Yeah, all he did was say, yeah. well, the, the church has taught this. I was surprised. And then Chris State's like, well, here's scripture, 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 scripture. And Albert Moeller's like, yeah, but the church has taught and I was like, oh my God. Typically, Albert Muller doesn't yeah. do that. My I, face, I was very surprised. Was my weird. face was melted. And I th- being charitable to Albert Muller, I'm assuming he's like, there's no question here. Like, well, what? you know, that's interesting you should say that. I won't keep you too long. My buddy John Ward just interviewed her, just interviewed Al Muller uh, because of the Southern Baptist thing about slavery that they, the seminary that they released. And in the conversation, Muller says, that he changed his mind about women in ministry because the scripture is unambiguously clear. He didn't really give any examples of that. Then there was a, a article that my friend that John posted as part of his podcast said, here is the account from the gospel coalition where Moeller tells that. And I read it and he also didn't give any examples. Yeah. So he must know what they are, but I don't know what they are. Uh, and of course there's like disagreement on this, like four square churches have female pastors, you know, Methodists have it, like plenty of people with pretty conservative views of Christian of the scripture disagree on this question. And so anytime that anybody uses such cavalier language about what the scripture obviously says, I almost immediately write them off now. Yeah. Uh, unless it's something that's in the apostles creed. Okay, fine. Otherwise you are either purposefully obscuring the point because you're a politician or you actually don't know how little you know of the wider tradition. And in, in neither case would I want to use you as a great example. Whereas Chris, Chris Date will at least go toe-to-toe with you, and he recognizes that people disagree, but he has arguments that he's convinced by, and he'll make them. And yeah. I love that. He's a machine. And to be... I mean, Albert Moeller, he's a smart guy. He knows more scripture. He's forgotten about more scripture than I will ever know. But I, I think yeah. he was just unprepared and... Uh, didn't think there was really a question on the issue. And so he came into it unprepared, but that was that's a big just, one. Yeah. If that's not, I mean, if that's not just an avatar for the kind of um, presumption that you can get uh, in, in certain traditions, uh, I don't know what is. I mean, it's it just, it's, it's not, it's not dissimilar to like white supremacy in the soft sense, by the way, not the like avowed, KKK sense, but the sense of like white people's lives matter more. And everyone just kind of knew that for a really long time in this country. And it's, 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 I'm not saying that believing in eternal hell (laughs) is equal to that morally, but there's a similar logical move of like, I don't have to prepare for this because of course, of course scripture says this, but like, there's like really good biblical 
critic, you know, critical scholars who would disagree with you. And like, are you pretending they're not there? Do you honestly not know they're there? You run a seminary. That would be weird. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Like, it's fine to, uh, he's, I've heard good interviews that he's done. He had a great interview. He interviewed Rod Dreher on his podcast. I really loved their conversation. I don't think he's an intellectually bankrupt guy. Right. Uh, But I, I just have less and less patience for people making big sweeping statements about scripture when they ought to know better the nuance that actually exists in the body of Christ. Right. Which statements about especially eternal destinations. Sure. And if those are in fact true, will prevent you from giving yourself permission to explore other options. Hmm. And so, it, yeah. To, Interesting. To, so Zach, if you take, so your view, I'm not, and not to defend Alvin Moore, I'm just, let's just, I'm just logical scooter train here. Yeah. Um, so, the idea that the uni- the Christian universalism and there you know maybe therefore the, uh, I'm making hand gestures if if everyone can just picture like every sweeping all encompassing like a big um, glorious sunset you know okay. uh, every you know every um, and be, I'm just trying to use what you have said um, that the idea of going out and uh, evangelizing and all that stuff you're uh, you're not. You're not as, and th- this might be, maybe saying words that you didn't say, but this—that's the idea that I got. You're not as. You're not worried about that as much as you were before, or maybe even at all. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not the sure logical, that's good. Though. Yeah, the logical train, though. I'm just. I'm just going with the logical train. Okay. Well, let's let's uh, let's shoot that out everywhere. Um, I, yeah, it, sure. I. I think I know there, where you're going. Yeah, there, there are things you that can do a question right now. No, I just, I just, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking about what's I been know. said, and you know. So anyway, let's go back to Dan. Um, <clears throat> so Dan, before you, you, <laughs> you said you got some time, and that was probably 20 minutes ago. We gotta already. go to, uh, we gotta go to yeah. a commercial break yeah. here. <laughs> Weather, Jeff. Let's throw to that sponsor. Yeah, uh, but Dan, you talked about yes. the the intuition that you said you had these intuitions uh, uh, since you were like mm-hmm. 19. That was um, weird. Yeah. Uh, um, and then you talked about your, your friend who who was on who who uh, he he mentioned intuitions and the, the, those the, the 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 idea of intuition that he had was kind of seemed kind of different than maybe what your idea maybe your idea of intuition. Um, um, so I don't remember the second part that you're referring to. I mean, I, I remember talking about how. The intuition, more or less my sort of liberal Christian intuitions have been unchanged for about 15 years. I'll just say what I mean by that. Uh, Intuitions are not necessarily true. Intuitions are, um, they they actually take work to get down to. If you you do enough philosophy, uh, even just at an undergraduate level, if you take a couple of philosophy classes, You'll, you'll come upon these questions, you know, um, can God lift a rock that's too heavy for him? Uh, or can God be all knowing and good at the same time? Stripping, uh, these are ethical. Yeah. Like you come up or even take a class in ethics, you know, is the right thing to do to maximize the good for the most number of people? Or is it that there is actually a right action in and of itself? Or is it that right action only comes from right people, virtue ethics? You get when you get down to these arguments. These are really smart people who uh, treat each other really well because philosophers are the only people who actually have to argue without logical fallacies in order to get published. Um, and they're they're the only people in the world who are actually punished for using logical fallacies. Uh, 
And you get down to, on, on any of these issues, it happens every time, you get down to two equally intelligent people, equally respectful of each other, differing on their intuitions. So you, right. at the end of a question like omnipotence and goodness, you'll have one person say, you know what? I understand the problem here. I just, in my intuition, I can't, I cannot give up God's omnipotence. And this is what happens when you debate with Calvinists sometime. God's sovereignty is just the thing that that's the thing. That's my hill to die on. And you, and that might, might be talking to an open and relational theologian who says, I understand what you're saying, but for me, it's God's like selfless love and giving me the, the actual chance to love God back. That's the hill I can't die on. These are intuitions. They both can't be right. Both of those people are not right. And yet they can't really change those intuitions. So you can, you can get better at doing theology or doing philosophy. You can get better at listening to people, at hearing them when you talk and not just yelling at each other. You can get better at taking people's arguments seriously. You can get better at asking them what brought them to their view. You can, you can better understand your opponent's view. You usually can't change your intuitions. Now, you might come up with different ways of thinking theologically that keep your intuition. But I've had an intuition for a long time that like, gay sex is not sinful like i just i can't understand yeah, that's, how it I think would that's be kind of what i was going like wh- yeah so uh, wh- whatever whatever it is what, yeah 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 gay sex, that- gay sex gay sex gay um, <laughs> sex let me stop that's right what there. i gay really sex. wanted to talk about <laughs> but no whatever Gen- yeah. very generally yeah <laughs> so tom brady huh <laughs> um, no, but, That's a very straight thing to, to say, Scott. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> covered it up there. Um, no, go no, ahead. But, go but ahead. That that uh, I mean that that's the thing because when you talked about intuition at the beginning, that's that's what you said: homosexuality, women, yeah. women, canine genocide, women. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but why why do you think that that is part of your intuition? You don't have to look, Scott. Um, <laughs> why, why is that? Yeah. Why is that part of your intuition? The thing, mm-hmm. so it it just so happens that things that, um, and not to say anything about you, I'm just in general, uh, things that would help you to be less controversial amongst yeah, the broader in the, in the wider group culture. happen to be yep. your intuition. Uh, sure, you know how convenient. Sure. You know, yeah, it is convenient in that sense. Um, uh, of course, it is. But excuse me, beer burp. Uh, it is convenient. There are other things that are not convenient. Um, for instance, it wouldn't be convenient if I lived in rural Nebraska. It is maybe convenient living in Seattle. Uh, I think that an argument gets thrown around around from the right a lot at the left. I heard this my whole life. People on the left, uh, they don't want to submit to the Bible. They cave to culture. And I would just say, watch a Robert Jeffress speech praising Trump and ask if he is caving to culture or not. Whether or not you think Trump should be president or not, uh, there is a culture on the right that is uh, certainly caving to culture. So then the question is, well, when is it bad to cave to culture? Not is only one side caving, because clearly there are people on both sides who well, cave. Well, I think we we'll agree that caving to culture, we shouldn't. I mean, yeah, right. Caving to culture is is a problem. Yeah. Just because you hold a liberal intuition does not necess- does not mean that by default you are caving to culture. Right. Is what I'm right. saying. Yeah. Although I think plenty of people are gay affirming for like bad arguments. They have bad reasons. Uh, we had a guy out here that people- said that dogs do it. For example. 
yeah. So the fact that dogs, I mean, you need quite a bit of, you need quite a bit more argument than that. Um, you could, I mean, you could imagine an argument. I mean, you could imagine an argument, but my that's not my are argument. Doing it right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they can't help themselves. So, but you're asking about the intuitions. So my intuition about homosexual sex, not being wrong, uh, is I figured out pretty early. It's a philosophical intuition. So I have an intuition about sin. Now there is a view of sin that says, whatever God says is sinful is sinful. Some people find that quite convincing. I've never found that convincing. Um, now, I find is that different than that. O- what only or just like like uh, so mm, not not outside of those boundaries. Uh, I, I'm, just, I'm just you know how yeah see the sure. Difference there? No, I I don't I don't necessarily mean that that's the only way, but like um, sort of like a God decrees it, therefore it is sinful or good kind of a thing. That actually doesn't make sense to me. Um, sin to me always seems selfish in some way. Every sin I can think of. There is uh, a kind of a pride involved. There is a hoarding of resources. There is uh, something selfish involved. Power over. Yeah, okay, it well, could be power. Oh, yeah, but it, if, it could be but anything. If we go with that. It's like, well, you have a job. That's a selfish act. You want to feed your family. How dare you? Why not? Quit, well, no. Quit your job. So, so, so yeah. you see that dichotomy. I mean, it's got to be. You know, what I what I mean to say is is not that any time that you try and produce some good for yourself or your group that that is automatically sinful. What I mean is, any time we find something that we all agree is sinful, we tend to find selfishness there of some sort. And with homosexuality, so this is like my eighteen year old self. I was just like, I don't see it. It's, it's just like a switch flipped. It's, it looks identical, except it's a different gender. There's nothing selfish going on here. Now, that's not my argument today. I'm just saying that was my understanding at 18. Mm-hmm. And now I understand uh, the strongest argument is probably something about sort of a natural theology argument. Natural theology is you go from the natural world to God. That's the direction you go. And it's something about the body and reproduction. And, you know, this is how God designed human bodies to work or something. That's probably the strongest argument. And I now have reasons that I am skeptical of those arguments, which we don't need to get into right now. Um, but it's interesting to me that my intuition hasn't really changed. And as I said, my intuition might be wrong. I don't think I can really change that intuition. What I can do is I can consider good arguments. I can, I can try and understand them as well as I can. And I can listen to other people's good arguments and maybe that intuition will change. Um, but so far, the arguments that have been presented to me about homosexuality, about uh, women not being able to preach uh, or, or being in some sense like sort of theologically distinct from men and about, for instance, violence in the Old Testament, especially Canaanite genocide. And if that could be just and uh, arguments about uh, eternal punishment, if that could be just so far, none of those arguments have convinced me. Now, someone might give me a better argument and I need to be open to that. But I just find it interesting that those intuitions have not changed very much. I actually don't really like that fact. Like, it's a little bit unsettling. Like, am I really being reasonable? Well, yeah, I would, I would, yeah, I would ask, you know? like, um, w- sure. would you distinguish intuitions or from just thoughts um, or just ideas? So, like, I'm, I, I, I have the idea that, hey, without, without uh, the Bible, what's wrong with homosexuality? Okay. Mm, but yeah. that's sure. irrelevant to what I think, what I'm pursuing as truth. Um, so whatever whatever thought I have is, 
I, I, you know, the uh, having the mind of Christ, right? And, and I'm not necessarily saying that sure. that what you're thinking is not the mind of Christ. I'm just saying like we have the if we're we're supposed to be moving towards uh, being transformed, the renewal of our mind. Um, so our our intuitions or our thoughts um, might be might be opposed to the mind of Christ. Sure. Um, yeah. So I just I just like just the, the 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 differentiation there between because you say they haven't changed. Well, okay. Well, maybe maybe they haven't changed. But what does that mean as far as praxis? So maybe you know. Totally. So here's what I would say. I could definitely be wrong. This is why the point of my podcast, You Have Permission, is not to argue for my views. It is to make sure that people understand that they have options within Christianity. Because I recognize the problem here. It can't be that I simply say, I must have the right intuitions. Because those intuitions haven't changed enough for me to think that that's the, the thing. Rather, do you have intuition A or intuition B? There are Christians with both. Do it well. Love each other well. That's what I'm trying to say. And maybe you'll switch and people might change. And, you know, we to, to properly uh, respond to your response, which is very well taken, there's a whole lot of conversations about there's That's a long conversation of what do we trust as authoritative and how much do we think scripture is revealing things? And even if we do, how are we reading scripture? What's our hermeneutic? And if you, for instance, take the patriarchal lens hermeneutic, you're going to come to a very different answer. And that's that's the lens I find most convincing uh, and, and, you know, so we could d- d- disagree about that till the cows come home. But for me, the important thing is just to, for me, it's like, oh, there are Christianities that don't say God decides who goes to hell before they're born. I'll take one of those. Mm-hmm. Like it's, uh, Bonnie Christian in her intro to her book has a great line. She says, if there is a version of Christianity that someone can accept, why would we only give them a version they must reject? That's like, that's what my whole life is about yeah. and her book, which I wish I had written. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. Thanks. Yeah, it, that's so good. So as we are landing this plane, predict the future for me. What? Sure. Because look, I'm sure looking back, you could... Kamala Harris, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I have no She's idea. I'm white. kidding. I don't, who's, I don't who's have Kamala a prediction Harris? for that. Yeah. Isn't she Republican? You, just you wait, yeah. Jeff. <laughs> she's a non-white Republican. No, no she's Democrat. She's oh, she's Democrat. Democrat, yeah. oh, Democrat Senator from California, and my friend Ooh. from church works for her. So if she does win, her I'm going to the White House. <laughs> Wait, you have a friend from church working for a Democrat? How's that work? I know, Dude. right? Evangelicalism didn't work on us. Does she read the Bible? So real quick, <laughs> go ahead. You yeah. looking back on previous? iterations of giving yourself permission i'm sure you can see where you knew in your kind of your subconscious you kind of knew that something was amiss and something needed to change right now are there any things that you kind of sense are being shifted that that might change in the future i'll give uh i'll give two possible trajectories uh, a leftward trajectory and a rightward trajectory and and both might come to pass Broadly speaking, a leftward theological trajectory would be, I sometimes think, I have sometimes worried that I would become what I call a Karen Armstrong theist. Uh, That's like a person who is a theist, but who can't really seem to commit to one uh, religious community. 
I actually don't see that happening, uh, but I could see myself um, leaning more heavily on the arbitrariness of having been raised Christian. My hope is that if I do go that direction, that I will rest even more firmly in the goodness of God and that it will be about God's goodness being shown widely and profligately to all of God's creatures. Um, but that's a possibility. Um, a rightward direction, though, that I think is also possible is that I will come to respect people with more conservative intuitions than I even more. And that as I become more mature and less needy in terms of defending myself and my own beliefs and intuitions, that uh, other people's selves will open up to me in uh, a more clear and beautiful way, and I will see what they see uh, more clearly. So I could honestly see it going either way. Um, politically, certainly, that latter is, is what has happened for me, and I, I went from pretty squarely left to just left of center, uh, all things considered. And I can imagine a similar thing happening theologically. I love that you had answers nice. for that. Nice. Now, I don't think I a- asked you the first time you were on about if you're entering the New Jerusalem whose gates will never be shut, and you're being escorted Mm -hmm. by a person living or dead, and you're not allowed to say your wife. Um, You have walk-in music as you're entering the New Jerusalem. What is the walk-in music, and who is escorting you? That's a great question. Thank you. (laughs) I like that question. These guys hate it at this point. What are you talking about? Music. My funny joke. My funny pick for music is the boys are back in town. Uh, But my real pick would be God only knows. I think that's the closest song we have to what heaven sounds like. By who? By the Beach Boys. Okay. Favorite song of all time for the people. I mean, I knew it. (sighs) Who would I walk in with? Um, Pick one for your left and one for your right. Uh, I, you know, I'd love to walk in with my great grandfather, who I never met. He was uh, kind of a polymath. Like he, he took up oil painting at fifty and like became a master. He composed organ sonatas. He was into theology and would like buy pitchers of beer down at the bar and just like talk God with people. And uh, you know, there's something about lineage, and I, there's obviously some stuff that I share with him. I never got to meet him, so I think that would be my first pick: would be to get to know my great grandpa TJ. I love it. Cool. Cool. To <laughs> Bachman Turner Overdrive or whoever is the boys are back in town. <laughs> what a stupid choice! Right. Yeah, no, it's not. There's no stupid choices in this. We've had great ones. Of course, we we wouldn't be back in town. I mean, maybe he would be, but I would be new to town. It'd be more like hey, Welcome to like New York by Taylor Taylor Swift. Welcome to New York, maybe. Welcome to New Jerusalem. <laughs> it's been waiting for you. Welcome to New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem. <laughs> I'm going to put that song in there and see how good your pitch is. Just like how perfect you are. Auto-tune me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that on my I'll end. I'll send it over to you. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, do that. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. Man, Thanks for so having good. me. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. You gave us a Thanks, lot. Thanks, Dan. Always enjoy talking to you, and I'm looking for the next one. Now, give us your details, uh, how people can keep in touch, and also... Size, height, dimensions. <laughs> 6'2", 235, bench wow. 110, 
Um, yeah. If that. No, I, I have one question for Scott before we go. I think we did a, we did a lot better this time, dude. So is it that you've changed or that I've gotten kinder or both? I think yes, I, I'm going to say that you have definitely – there's definitely something different over – Scott I'm never glowing. wants to admit that he changed. I'm glowing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Scott can't admit that he. No, I've he been uh, I've been getting better. I I think, but I want to toot my own horn. Yeah, mm-hmm, great. I'll toot it. I'll toot uh, your horn. Yeah, I was just. But, uh, but Dan, yeah. not to say that you you know that you're not always continuously improving, like every you know successful person does. So I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> oh gosh, if I'm successful, it's not at podcasting. But um, and you might be more successful <laughs> than me, so you might have improved more. I'm just you know I'm just throwing it. I out. just I thought we actually agreed more than last time, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you're better at hiding your disagreement. <laughs> there you go. He didn't say, so that's what I'm wondering, he, if he changed on the end times because you were talking about dispensationalism and amillennial, and that's like... A it was hard. It big, was difficult Scott to bite my tongue. Scott didn't say one word, wow. but that was, I, of course, I before wanted, you removed your, your uh, rubber bands. Yeah, I wanted to... Uh, yeah, I, but I was thinking, you know, <laughs> hey, I, I interrupt a lot. Let me just... Let him talk. Yeah, that's okay. Find something down the road. Uh, so the Instagram. new the new show is You Have Permission. You can get it anywhere you get podcasts or youhavepermissionpod.com. Also, um, some of your listeners might listen already. Uh, the, I, we did make a Facebook group for it, and it is only for people who support my work on Patreon. We have a public one for Depolarize. It's just big. It's like 400 people. Only 20 people post. I just wanted to kind of avoid that. And so uh, that's an option too. It's like five bucks a month. You get two extra episodes a month. Um, and now, what what you what's the address for your oh Patreon dot com slash Dan Coke K O C H or if you go to youhavepermissionpod.com, dot com, there's a link. And uh, yeah, reconstruct is apparently back up and running. That's exciting. Yeah. And depolarize, <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> Thank you, John. Yeah. Uh, and depolarize as well. And yeah, so that's uh, that's it. I'm not on social media. But you can email me at youhavepermissionpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll write back. Thank you, Dan. Cool. Thanks, Dan. Dan, you're a net benefit to humanity. I appreciate you. Uh, Tell my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we'll we'll get into that next time. There's probably some laundry to fold. Jeff has a slew of questions for that. Speaking of sex. Okay. All right, guys. (laughs) Talk to you later. No, I have not. Uh, I have not changed my view on eschatology. I just, I just wanted to let him, let him talk and not interrupt. So, but good observation. I, I appreciate the observation. I was watching the Australian Open the last half an hour. Yeah, just been watching tennis. <clears throat> Dude, I'm addicted. I miss I tennis. You put the dick in addicted. Totally. Jeff. Totally. Mm. For watching that while. They were talking. I... So I will say, confession time. If I were to answer the question that Scott posed to me before he steamrolled th- me and went I back to let an answer, I thought that you didn't answer, and I was like, hmm, maybe I should say something, but no, nah, let it go. You know, I'm going to let it go. No, but then you re-asked it, and then you went straight to Dan. That's fine. That's fine. I'm getting. You're giving me a taste of my own medicine. I. Yeah, I will say yeah. thanks for for fixing our kickback. Oh God, that was trying. I will nuts. say you did get to talk, and I appreciate that. What I will say, the the question of like go into all the world or make disciples, that is a weird one for me right now. 
And I'm not going to argue it. I'm, you know, that's, that's not the point of bringing I'm it up. I'm just wondering why. I am just saying, yeah. be, because I do believe that ultimately God is drawing all of creation to himself slash herself. <laughs> and, night. And, and he was just telling the apostles to go and spread the word. Oh, there, there, there are those that would say that that is the context. But it's but, true. Well, yes, it is true in a technical sense. But, but regardless, so it is when you... The big picture I'm talking about is the nature of the Christ being made all in all and being in all. And but what does that have to do with going and s- so? So I guess no, the what question saying, is why? what I'm saying is why? why no, even hold if on, it's, hold on. For, even I'm if it's setting for something up, apostles. Scott. Scott, I'm setting something up. Okay. Be- for me, believe that Christ is is all in in all, and that's what God is working towards. That and believing that people, God is not waiting for proper mental decisions to to not send them to hell has hmm. has led to a struggle with how we engage in evangelism today how we tell people about Jesus today because i don't believe that if people don't make a proper proper mental assent to the gospel i don't believe those people go to hell are you so when you're saying in this the proper sense. when you're saying this proper mental ascent? Are you invite Jesus into their heart? So oh, okay, but that that uh, I'm still trying to distinguish. I'm not making an argument against anything. I'm saying I, for me personally, I know I know what I'm asking. Okay. I'm, I'm asking for clarification on what you mean by that. Um, I I'm I'm thinking that you mean some evangelical. Jeff's still watching tennis. It's fine. Totally, he can. Yeah, he can do that. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking that you are referring to some uh, evangelical uh, kind of some, something that people do. This is how they teach it, which, which I don't care, which I mean, I do care about. But no, I'm just for, saying for discussion, I'm, I'm like, well, I'm, uh, so no, I, but the, the, to distinguish that and what is described in the New Testament and the Old Testament as faith. Um, is is in your mind? Is there a? Are you distinguishing between faith as described in the Bible and this this thing that you're describing as some uh, a mental ascent? I'll take it in the back end. I mean, do you get. I mean, do you get the why? Mm. Why? I mean, I, th- I <laughs> do you understand why I would. No, I don't understand. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying from where I'm at, I'm, I'm I don't I, but I, I don't know what I'm saying is I I'm I don't know what you mean by this by this mental by the, this mental uh, uh, ascent uh, uh, thing because I I'm I'm have I have the I, this idea of believing in God. Okay, uh, let me say this. Do you think do you think most people would say people are not saved unless they come to a faith in Jesus. Yes. As their savior. Yes. I how think that's you, what the Bible says. How do says. you come to a proper faith in Jesus as your savior if not understanding and understanding it mentally? Uh well, so there's there, That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so what, And I don't think oh, that's necessary. Okay. Well, what I what I'm saying is that when the Bible talks about your faith has saved you 
uh, that you're that you you enter into God's grace by faith. Right. Um, so that I, I'm I'm asking, are you referring to that, or are you referring to something else that some other people are saying, um, or something that you used to believe? I'm asking for the dis- to, is there something that's distinguishable between what you're saying and what what is described in Scripture? That that that's what I'm asking. I'm I, I'm not even saying yes or no. I, I mean, I understand. I, I I'm not disagreeing These or agreeing with you. Two different things. The the people I'm that w- the way I grew up was relying on what people who interpreted those scriptures told me. All right. So I'm, a, I'm so, a, yeah. I'm asking now, what are you, you talking about scripture, now? What what I'm talking about now is that the same group of people that are in sin to Adam are the same people. That are saved by Christ. Work well, no, on the I, cross. I, no, I, I'm not. I'm not either. Uh, I'm not. No, uh, that's what no, I'm I, saying. I, I, I know, but I'm, as, I'm asking. That's why I'm am where I'm at. I lost I, my. No, no, but I um, once. So when I, so I, I get that. I'm not. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with you. The. I'm, uh, uh, I, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with you. I, have you heard any disagreement? I'm, I'm asking. I'm asking. Is what you're saying as a mental assent is that different than the idea that. Just, just the idea. The way you're interpreting those scriptures, yes. No, who, who? So the way, the way who's interpreting? No, 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 no. The way who's interpreting what I'm asking you? No, I'm just saying, Scott. I'm asking you. Who is your Scott's definition? Children. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. Forget about me. Forget about them. Okay. I'm, I'm asking, is what you're saying different than the idea of having faith in Jesus? Um, I, I, I'm just asking if you're making those distinctions. I'm not sure. I think I, I'm a. <laughs> where I'm at, where I am at now is that Jesus Christ is the savior of the entire world, especially those who believe. There's a tangible difference in this life when if you come to a faith in Jesus Christ and recognize that you are forgiven and you are accepted and your sins are covered and what the cross means, that's those who believe. Oh my gosh. G- this the saving work of Christ on the cross is a universal scenario. And that's where I'm at now. So what I'm saying is it makes it difficult with, I am struggling to rediscover the personal Jesus that would like to be in all the individual hearts. Cause I don't think that's a, a, a bad thing necessarily. I just don't think the impetus, the impetus to save people from individual hell and hell forever was the impetus, was the, thrust of the gospel. So it does make it hard when we're talking about the Great Commission. I I struggle with that. Like, how should that... I, I don't... In my life, I don't feel a big desire to to spread the gospel, like in the classical four spiritual laws sense, or get people to make so, a decision for Christ. But I also am recognizing that that might not be correct. Like, maybe there should be more of an emphasis and a drive to talk to people about their sins being forgiven in Christ. I'm just wrestling with that now. That's that's my whole yeah. point. Big picture. I see the big picture of Christ as the re- reconciler of all things, which is no, no. So so and, and I so and that's good. I am struggling with the minutia of like how you. So that's good. My, and my question, things. my question was. Jeff just walked out of the room. He's going to order us a pizza. My my question. My question. The, um, during the, I mean, kind of towards the end, um, was how 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 are you coming to the big picture 
um, because you seem to distinguish between the big picture and the um, uh, the not you didn't say details, but uh, the the other word I forget what it is. But you seem to distinguish between those, and now you're gonna you're now you're you're kind of getting to the. Uh, Without having specifics, specifics, without yeah. having individual passages ready at the toe, but very general paraphrases, Christ being made all in all, and Christ who is okay, all. Okay, so so it's so and I'm, is wait, okay. Well, I'm asking. You know, it's, hold, it's, hold on. This okay, is gener- hold on. We're talking generalities, hold on, dude. The whole time I've been talking generalities, like like so big pictures. So you're looking at kind of. What do you want from me? I'm confused I, now. I, I start to we're answer, ha- we're and then you cut a, me off. We're having a conversation. No, we're not. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't See feel here. like it anymore. Okay. No. Uh, so I, I'm not. I was. I'm not asking. I, I, I was. When you use words like this, it makes me feel yeah. like. I I know. I see. It, <laughs> now we could go into meta metadata here. No, I I became aware of passages that preachers do not preach on because they're way too crazy cosmically. Christ being all in all, if that were actually true, how it sounds. Like the the God of creation who is all and is in all, present tense. Right. So, I mean, so, yeah, I was trying to avoid specific... I, I'm trying to avoid No, I know, but I'm just telling you... Because cause once you bring that up, I'm like, okay, well, all in all, so he's all in no, sin? No, I know, so, but hold so, on. See, see, that, see that, I was trying to avoid I, this I kind of detail. I'm no, but I'm just telling you, yeah. we were talking about my experience and yeah. why I'm struggling with certain things. It's because I had a new light on passages like that that I had never considered before. Okay. Ever. That, good, that's, and that's so what once I'm I consider them and hmm. marinate on them, it's like, wow, is there a bigger thing going on than just most people are going to go to hell because they didn't make a personal decision for Christ from my perspective. Then I started to think, I think there's something more going on combined with hearing other stories, looking into news to different scholarship and hearing different strains of Christianity that talked about this it it opened up a new world. And so with all this new information, it is a struggle to like, it. should I be more concerned about telling people about Jesus? Maybe. Right now, pra- as far as orthopraxy, I am not doing that at all. Well, okay, so, okay, so, but, that's, so that's, that's, that's where all I am saying. I'm not making a declaration of what's true or not. I'm just saying where I'm at currently I, and in that's wrestling what, with. That's what I'm asking. So the, the distinctions between... It, you're saying that, hey, maybe I don't do this right now. There's a difference between that and whether or not I, I believe that you should do it or not. There, there's a difference there. I'm just asking... I, I, I'm just asking for that distinction. I mean, uh, did I just give it to you? That, that's a, good grief. I'm, I was no, just, did I? I'm asking honestly. I don't know why it's making you upset. <laughs> um, like no, I, that asking, was good. Did that I was, give you a good answer? That yeah, I, I, okay. I well, no, that was that was the start. Okay. I, I think that was of that a was new podcast. Because, <laughs> I, only because it's long. First of all, long. okay. So I, I I I try not to do this, but Scott, you've had good screen time today. I. I know, I, I, and that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't you, want you, you to feel you like always, we're cutting I just, you off. I, I, I'm trying to you cut blame you off me, now. You honestly. blame me for a lot of things. Like, like I'm the one. I'm the one that's argumentative. I'm just saying that. Can't imagine where. I, I, I know, and and I, I, I think that's the point. But, um, but, uh, man, I, I don't know. I, that just that 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 carries over often. Um, I'm and I'm just I'm just asking questions. Asking with for what I'm just, I just said. I'm just asking. I'm asking. I was asking for clarification. Okay. And and you, you 
You're the one that got upset first. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm not upset. Did I clarify at all? You, you, you. At at the end there is is where. That's what I was trying to get to. And I think okay. you were a little uppity. Well, no, well, because I, I was, I was trying to get, I was trying to stay with the generalities because when, when you start pointing to d- particular scripture, then oh shoot, well, well, now, no, but that's know, we gotta, that's a part of how I transformed was from okay. particular oh, scripture. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. And I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to not bring up scripture. Um, but I just there sometimes there I, I get complaints about bringing up scripture. So you know, I, hey, that's Jeff. Jeff left. Um, Sorry, Jeff. You I just say don't no. This anymore, but no, yeah. Jeff doesn't. His preferred conversation is not minutia and scripture. That's where you've heard the pushback, Scott. You've never once gotten that from me. Never <laughs> once. Never once. Yeah. Don't put Jeff's thought yeah. on me. <laughs> okay. Jeff, Jeff, oh, I just called you Jeff. <laughs> Scott, what's your name? Oh man, I love Dan Coke. I I just appreciate it was the way good. he talks. And, it was good, and I I get the feeling he likes he likes engaging a little bit. He likes going with Scott. He appreciates it. I appreciate him. I appreciate you, Scott, too. I'm not trying to. I think I did a better job. Like maybe I was trying to move a question along, and so you thought I was cutting you off, and maybe I was, but. You got you got some good talk, and we got the tennis. Jeff came back in there with tennis, and we're gonna leave right now because Jeff wants pizza. Brosbiblesbeer.com. Did you order a pizza already, Jeff? Bros Bibles Beer on no. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Check out Dan's stuff. Grace, peace, cheers. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, thanks for listening. Grace, peace, cheers. You know, I get the last word. Turn it off.